Good morning, everyone. Hey, can we just thank Jesus this morning for his goodness, for his glory? Well, hey, it's good to be with you guys this morning. For those that don't know me, my name's Chuck Marr, and uh, it's an honor to be with you again. I just want to say thank you to your amazing pastor, Dwayne. Can we just thank, thank God for Pastor Dwayne and the team here? Thank you so much. Love you. And uh, man, it's good to be with you guys. Who's going to watch the Super Bowl today? Let me see a show of hands. Who is rooting? Who's, who's going to be cheering for Kansas City? Let me see your hands. All right. All right. Two hands. Dathan has two hands back there. Who's cheering for the Eagles? Let's see your hands nice and high. All right. Who just doesn't care at all? Just raise Okay, here we go. All right. Well, I promise to have you out of here by 6 p.m. today. Because apparently you guys don't care. So, well, hey, I just want to share, um, before we jump into the message, just uh, I do have some books out in the lobby. My wife's book, Embracing Mystery, A 21-Day Journey of Hope. This is a devotional all around the goodness of God and believing in the goodness of God and having hope even in the midst of difficult circumstances. How many of you know it's vital that we hang on to hope and believe that God is good even when things are happening in our lives that are challenging our hope level? Who would be blessed by this book this morning? You're like, you know what? I just need to have my mind renewed with the goodness of God. This lady right here, I see you waving. Yeah, you want to come up and grab this? That's for you. God bless you. Yeah, and I just declare a new season over you, a season of breakthrough and abundance in Jesus' name. Yeah. And um, my book's out there. Uh, a lot of you got a copy of this already. Kingdom Perspectives, Seeing Yourself, Others, and the World Through the Lens of Heaven. And uh, that's out there. Um, by the way, Anna's book is $10. This is $15. Um, this is really kind of, it's been described as uh, kind of a, uh, a handbook to living a kingdom lifestyle. So who would like this? All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, is there, um, oh, you'll give it, okay, yeah, just give that to somebody. Yeah, I trust you, give it to somebody. Okay, I won't do that, she's, she's afraid of that. Um, somebody, somebody over on this side, yeah, I wanna give this one to a gentleman, gentleman in the red shirt right back there. Yeah, God bless you, sir. You know, over you, I just see such a childlike faith over you. And there's, you know, Jesus Jesus said, unless we become like children, we can't enter the kingdom. And I see just a, such a childlike heart, a childlike spirit over you that the Father is so pleased with. And I just bless you with that in the name of Jesus. Bless you. And uh, my wife wrote a children's book called You Were Made to Create. And um, what I love about the Holy Spirit is there's no junior Holy Spirit. You know, no matter what age, the Holy Spirit, when he fills his sons and daughters of God, they're filled with so many gifts and strengths and virtues. And, and one of those is creativity. And uh, because God is, you know, the ultimate creator, because we're made in his image, we're all creative in different ways. So this is about tapping into, like even for kids, how to tap into their God-given creativity, uh, not to compare themselves with other people, 
<clears throat> etc. So who has kids that would like this book? All right, lady in the red right there. Yeah, bless you. There you go. Yeah, I feel like the Lord is just affirming you, um, even just in your in your uh, motherhood. And, and I feel like even over the past, I don't know, couple months, there's just been a fresh vision and a fresh revelation and a fresh desire to train your kids in the ways of the Spirit. And I see your kids even stepping into power of the Holy Spirit and supernatural gifts of the Spirit at a really young age. So I just bless you with that in Jesus' name. This is a book. This is brand new. You've never, um, this has never been here before. It's my wife's newest children's book called When God Says No. <laughs> and there's a little kind of uh, parallel in there um, about when your parents say no. Because how many of you know that when parents say no, if they're good parents, which you all are, and if God says no, it's not because he's trying to withhold something good, but it's because he has a much better yes that we might not be aware of yet. And that's what this is about when God says no. Anybody on this side of the room with kids? Yeah, lady in the number two right there. Yeah, why don't you come grab this? Yeah, what's your name? What is it? Raina. Bless you, Raina. That's for you. In Jesus' name. So bless you guys. All right. Raina, by the way, um, I, I feel like for you and your family, I just see the Lord just giving you keys um, for financial increase. And I feel like the Lord is just even training you in the ways of stewardship. And, uh, and this is for you and your family. Um, stewardship. Uh, and how to steward finances according to the kingdom. And as you dig deeper into that and continue to go to that, I feel like the Lord is just uh, multiplying that which he's given you. As you're faithful and little, he's bringing increase and he's bringing much. So I bless you with that in Jesus' name. All right. Um, and by the way, I'm going to be available um, at the end of the service. I'll be out in the lobby for anyone that would like me, anyone that buys Kingdom Perspectives. Um, if you'd like me to sign that or write a little note in that, I'll do that. I'll even, um, I'll even plagiarize my wife's signature if you want for one of her books. <laughs> People are like, I don't want you to sign it. I want her to sign it. Well, I'll pretend. No. All right. You guys doing okay? All right. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Romans chapter 12. And I know it's going to be on the screen as well. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. And I want to do something a little bit different. Let's do this. Let's just stand for the reading of the word this morning. Can we do that? I just felt like I wanted to do that today. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, the writer of Romans said this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. Now listen, I want us to read verse 2 together. Can we do that? In stereo. Ready? Go. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can go ahead and be seated. I want to focus this morning on verse 2 
where it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everybody say transformed. Now that word transformed comes from the Greek word metamorpho. Everybody say metamorpho. It's where we get the English word metamorphosis, and it's the word used to describe the process of a caterpillar being completely transformed into a new creature called a butterfly. It's called metamorphosis. And that's a crazy process that we'll talk about in a minute, but I just want to say this. One of the things I love about the kingdom is when we become born again, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and we become born again, the Bible says that we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And not only that, not only are we forgiven, not only are we translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, but when we get born again, we get completely transformed, changed into another person. From the inside out, we get completely transformed. But I like to say this, although the moment we put our faith in Jesus and become born again, we become a new creation and we are transformed, we get to spend the rest of our lives walking out that transformation. Does that make sense? So in other words, when we become Christians, we are transformed. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away, all things have become new. When we put our faith in Jesus, we are transformed. But we get to spend our whole lives being transformed. In other words, We've been transformed and we are being transformed. And I don't know about you, I never want to level off in my transformation journey. And I think one of the temptations for believers, especially if we've been kind of walking with Jesus for a while, we've been part of the church, we've been part of maybe small group and community, one of the temptations for believers and even Christian leaders, one of the temptations is that we get comfortable with the level of transformation that we've stepped into. And it's like, I'm mature now. I have arrived. I'm pretty good. I don't have big glaring sin in my life. <clears throat> if I look around and look at the people around me, I'm doing better than most people. So I'm just going to kind of chill out, coast. I'm pretty good. But I really believe that the people that transform communities, cities, regions, and nations are those that are so gripped by Jesus Christ, are so convicted that we need to be on this ongoing journey of being formed into the image of Christ, becoming more like Jesus, more transformed. I really believe God is looking for a people that say, I'm not satisfied, but I want to continue to be transformed. I want to continue to become more like Jesus. And I want to become, I want to come to the end of my life more on fire for Jesus, more in love with God, more holy, looking more like him, smelling more like him, sounding more like him, that everywhere I go, people encounter him because I'm transformed like I don't want to ever feel like I've arrived that's why it's so important that in the kingdom we become novices 
We never think we become professional Christians, but we're on this ongoing journey of being changed from glory to glory and strength to strength. And I don't know about you, but the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I'm understanding how much more I have to become like Jesus. And it's not a condemnation thing. It's not a shame thing. But there is a place, there is a place for walking in a humility where I really believe that the Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, more than ever, he's like, Lord, I just want to be transformed into your image from with ever-increasing glory. And I believe that there is an invitation for us to be a people that are more transformed into his image so that we start to carry his presence with us everywhere we go. I don't know if you've been like seeing any of what's happening right now. By the way, there are so coming into 2023, how many of you would agree that 2020, 2021, 2022 had some challenges, to say the least? But you know, there are so many prophetic words, corporate words over the body of Christ coming into 2023 that this year would experience visitation, revival, and the presence of God and moves of God breaking into the church of America in unprecedented ways. And I don't know if you've seen but even over the past month or so, we're seeing, we're seeing trickles and things breaking out across America. Uh, you know, I'm friends with some people that started going to a church called The Gate in Charlotte, North Carolina, where the presence of God has started to break in there. And they're now in protracted meetings where they're meeting almost every night of the week as the presence of God is getting stronger and stronger and healings are breaking out. And they're seeing the move of revival and the move of the spirit breaking into the city of Charlotte. Some of you um, who have studied church history, revival history, have heard of the Asbury Revival, where a revival broke out at Asbury University in Kentucky, where sovereignly the presence of God began to come into the, the school chapel service, and young people just started confessing their sins and repenting and coming to the altar, and re- relationships were, re- were restored. And they experienced a true visitation, you can read about it, called the Asbury Revival, a visitation of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm pleased to announce that over the past few weeks, Asbury University is in full-blown revival right now because last Wednesday, they went into a chapel prayer meeting, and now this Wednesday will be two weeks of nonstop prayer, worship, confession of sin, and people are now flying from all over America to go into this service at Asbury University. Everybody say, God, do it again. And listen, I love revival, but how many of you know that corporate revival starts with personal revival? Corporate revival starts with individuals that surrender themselves to God and, says, and, and say, God, I want to present my body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to you, which is my reasonable service, because I don't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. So, Father, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for everyone who is here this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in Charlotte. We thank you for what you're doing in Kentucky right now, what you're doing in pockets all over the world. And we say, God, do it again in San Antonio. Do it again in this city. Do it again in this church and all over this region. Lord, that you would bring transformation. But, Lord, let it begin in our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So I want to talk for a few minutes 
about being transformed. And I want to talk about keys for transformation. A number of years ago, I was, uh, I was actually, I was speaking at a church somewhere in, in Michigan and I flew home and my wife and, and our little girls picked me up at the airport and we started going down the freeway. We only lived like five minutes from the airport at the time. We're going down the freeway and I saw something that I've never seen before because I was still new to this area. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you have seen this, but I saw something I'd never seen before and that is thousands of butterflies in swarms all over the freeway. At first I thought, man, these are huge moths, <laughs> you know, that are here. And then I was like, these are butterflies. And there's just thousands everywhere. So we're just driving down the freeway. And a lot of you are probably used to this. And I'm like, this is, this is weird. This is crazy. So we go home. I'm, I get, you know, I'm getting settled in. I need to pick up a couple things for the house. So I drive to Lowe's and I get into the Lowe's parking lot. And again, there's just butterflies everywhere, swarms. And I'm like, this is wild. And, uh, you know, I come to find out later that, you know, it's, you know, the time for them to migrate and we're in a migration path and the butterflies are migrating. That's why we're seeing them all and, uh, and all of that. But I'm one of those guys who's crazy enough to kind of like lead into the Lord when there's unusual circumstances or coincidences. Like, remember when Moses, when God called Moses out of the burning bush, Moses was a shepherd out in the field. This bush is on fire, which, by the way, wasn't that unusual. That happened in the desert in those days. There was this, like, chemical reaction in the desert where the temperature was just right or whatever, the, and it was so hot that these, like, bushes would just kind of combust into flames. It actually happened. That wasn't that unusual, um, but they would actually go out pretty quickly. You would see this bush go into flames, and then it would kind of fizzle out. Well, this one burst into flames, but it wasn't going out. That was unusual. So Moses, it says that when Moses turned to look, God spoke to him out of the bush. And I think so many times God's trying to get our attention. You run into the same person you ever seen in years three times in the same week. Okay, God, what are you trying to say here? Or every time you, you know, look at the alarm clock, you know, it says 828. And like, you don't plan it. It's just every time it's 828, you happen to look at it. Like, hmm, wonder what that scripture is. Maybe that's Romans 828. All things work together for good to those who call God. God speaks through unusual circumstances and unusual occurrences. It's often the language of heaven. And it says, when Moses turned to look, God spoke to him out of the bush. I think when things happen like that, if we will just lean into God a little bit and listen, he will speak to us throughout our day, throughout our week, through unusual circumstances, through divine appointments. So when I saw all these butterflies I was like, Lord, I, something in my spirit. I was like, God, are you saying something about this? And the Lord took me back to this process that I read about many years ago, the process of this caterpillar being transformed in this beautiful creature called the butterfly. And scientists call it metamorphosis. And what's crazy about this process is a butterfly... When it goes, it will, first of all, lay an egg on a leaf, and it will lay an egg on a leaf, this little tiny white dot about the size of a period at the end of a sentence. It will lay that on a leaf, and then over time, that will hatch. This caterpillar will come out, 
it will climb out onto the leaf. It will start eating this plant called the milkweed. It will climb out onto the leaf. It will hang upside down in a J formation, form this thing around it called a cocoon or called a chrysalis, and inside that chrysalis. By the way, secular scientists have described the process of this transformation of this caterpillar to a butterfly as, as nothing short of supernatural. How it will go from this caterpillar and it will like form this chrysalis, this cocoon around it, and then it will form, it'll basically turn into like this soupy mush and out of that will turn into this beautiful butterfly. And over a time of usually a couple weeks or so, it will form into this butterfly. It will struggle within the cocoon to get free. It will break out of the cocoon, and then it will be. It will turn into this beautiful butterfly. It will fly. It will fly away and be an entirely different creature than it was before. It's crazy. It's called metamorphosis, transformation. Well, I really believe prophetically. There's something about that process. And Paul said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. It's the same word, metamorphosis. Be transformed, which, by the way, secular dictionary will describe the process of metamorphosis as this. A change of the form or nature of a thing or person into a completely different one by natural or supernatural means. And I really believe there's something about this process that we can pull from and make scriptural and biblical parallels as it pertains to our journey of being transformed. And I want to share three keys for being transformed. And the first key that I want to share is this. If we're going to be a people that are continually transformed into the image of Christ, we need to be a people that embrace the process. Everybody say process. How many of you enjoy the process that God has you in sometimes? See, God's in the process. Now, we live, you know, among a microwave generation, don't we? We like things quick. We like things easy. We want the, we want the shortest way to get somewhere. Like, I'm the guy that goes into the grocery store and will, like, I will literally switch lines three times if it's a shorter line. You know, is, is, anyone, else, is anyone else there? Or, no, I know you guys are holier than that. You guys are like, God, give me the longest line because I want to work on my patience. <laughs> you know, we like things quick. We like things easy. We like immediate gratification. I remember when my wife and I first moved to San Antonio. Um, you know, we're moving everything. And my wife's really into health stuff. She's really natural, a lot of natural, like, supplements and, and foods and stuff like that. You know, and she read that, you know, microwaves aren't that good for you because of the, the, ra the radioactive waves that they give and stuff like that. So she's like, we're not going to have, we're not going to use our microwave. We're going to just try not having a microwave. She's like, we can, you know, we can use this really old-fashioned thing called a stove to heat things up. And, uh, you know, we can heat up water on the stove and, and different things. We're not going to use a microwave. So we put our microwave in the storage unit. And that lasted about two weeks before, before I was like, you know what? I think our microwave's really lonely. I think it's feeling rejection right now. 
And I think for the microwave's sake, we need to go get it and bring it back home. And, but we like things quick. We like things easy. We like things immediate. But how many of you know that God is a little bit more into like slow cook marinating and process and taking his time? How many of you know God's timeline is often a lot different than our timeline? You know, and it makes it difficult when you live in a prophetic culture, doesn't it? Like, I'm one of those guys that I get a prophetic promise. You're going to preach in front of thousands of people. You're going you're to preach in stadiums. And I'm like, that's probably going to happen next week, you know. And God's like, how about 10 years? As I form you and prepare you and develop you, and at the right time, I will put you where you need to be. Because how many of you know that it's the process that prepares us for the promise? Like so many times, I'll even just look at where I am in life. And I'm like, God, I thought I would be so much further than this. I've only done this, this, and this. I wish I'd done this, 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 and this, and this by now. And God's like, you know what? With me, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. I can get you there in a really short period of time anyway, but you need to trust my timing. You need to trust my process. You need to trust the, the way that I am doing it. How many of you know his ways are not our ways, and, and, and his thoughts are not our thoughts? And when we part of trusting in the Lord is trusting the process. It's embracing the process. How many of you know that if you're on a hike, you know, one day, you're going through the woods, and you see this little cocoon on a branch, you're like, oh, look at that cute little cocoon. There's a caterpillar in there. He's probably struggling in there. I think I'm going to just let, help him a little bit. I'm going to tear that cocoon a little bit and just let him out. There you go, little guy. How many of you know that if you did that prematurely, you would actually be doing the caterpillar, the butterfly, a disservice because it is the struggle within the cocoon, the resistance, the discomfort, the moving around to get free. It's the process within that actually gives it the strength in its wings to fly once it gets out. And, and, the, and I believe James put this really well. In James chapter 1, starting in verse 2, from the message translation, it says this, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. Now listen to this. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. So you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I'm going to read that again. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. See, we find ourselves in, circum in circumstances, in, in uh, uh, circumstances, in this process, we find ourselves in things where we're like, God, I just need you to get me out. I need you to get me into my promise. God's like, it's your struggle that's going to prepare you for the promise. So find me in the struggle. Find me in the cocoon. 
And I'd like to prophesy over some of you this morning. Some of you feel like you're in a cocoon. You feel like you're restricted. You feel like you're confined. You feel really uncomfortable. But I'd like to, I'd like to encourage you. If you will hang in there, if you will not grow weary in doing good, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up, if you will trust God with the process because the process is preparing you for the promise. Is this helping anybody? So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you're not deficient in any way. Of course, we see this in the life of Joseph, don't we? Joseph gets this prophetic promise as a kid. You're going to be king, and your whole, all your brothers, your whole family is going to bow down before you. Joseph makes the mistake of sharing the good news with his brothers. <laughs> they already didn't like him. They were already jealous of him because he had so much of his dad's favor on him. He had this colorful coat that his dad had made for him. There was a sign of favor, sign of his God's bless, dad's blessing. He's like, hey, guys, want to hear a cool dream I had last night? They're like, not really. He's like, well, here it is anyway. You're going to love it. I'm going to be a ruler, and you're going to bow down to me. They're like, this is enough. Let's get rid of this guy. Let's take him. Let's take him out into the field. Let's throw him in a pit. Just then, some Egyptians were coming by. They're like, let's not leave him in a pit. Let's just sell him into slavery. We'll tell our daddy he was eaten by a lion. Sell him into slavery. He goes to Egypt. You, some of you know the story. He gets there. He becomes the right-hand man to Potiphar, one of the guys in charge. Then he gets falsely accused of something, gets thrown into prison. He's in prison for a really, really long time. How many of you know he was probably starting to question the prophetic word over his life? God, didn't you say, like, I was going to be king? Family was going to bow down to me? Like, I'm in prison. He was in prison for a really long time. Then Pharaoh has a dream. He's looking for someone to interpret his dream. Somebody says, there's a guy in jail, a Hebrew. He's good at interpreting dreams. He's like, bring him out. Brings him out. Interprets Pharaoh's dream. Becomes assistant to Pharaoh. And through all of that process... He becomes assistant to Pharaoh. He gets a prophetic word in how to store grain and how to save the entire nation from famine. Hit all of his brothers and family come. He's restored a relationship with them. His family is saved from famine. They come in, they're given a big piece of land. They're given blessing. And his words were this, what the, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And I'd like to say that even what the enemy throws against you, if you will keep your eyes on Jesus, believe in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God are called according to his purpose. I looked that up. All things, guess what it means? It means all things. It means everything. And if we will trust God in all things, he will make all things work together for good, that even when the enemy throws something at you, God will use it to bless you and to propel you into your destiny. Because God is that good, he can win with any hand, even a set of twos. He's not intimidated by the enemy's 
saying. He's not intimidated by what the enemy's doing. He's not even intimidated by your mistakes. Because if you will say, God, I'm sorry, get back up, put your eyes on him. Brush off shame, brush off condemnation. Say, God, I'm keeping my eyes on you. I'm still moving toward you. I know that you love me. I know that you see me. I know you're making it all work together for good. God's word promises he will fulfill all. He will, he will fulfill the, the good work that he began in you when we trust him in all things. Everybody say process. I'm going to trust him with the process. See, the other key, I believe, for personal transformation is this. We need to know how to give ourselves grace. Sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. How many of you know that we're, we're our own worst critics? We beat ourselves up. We say we should be further than this. Not only that, but we start comparing our journey with other people's journeys. <clears throat> social media doesn't help, does it? One person put it this way. When we look at social media, by the way, people are just posting their highlight reels. Everything that looks good. The house is perfect. I think more people should just post their house a total mess. Like, check out my house. Really needs to be cleaned. <laughs> make other people feel good. Instead, we make it look like nobody lives there. You know, it's right off of a magazine. Here's my perfect kids. Here's my perfect wife. Here's my perfect car. Here's my perfect life. And I didn't even try to rhyme there. <laughs> and... And, we, and that's what we project. And then people, we compare our behind the scenes with other people's highlight reels. And then we get discouraged where, with where we're, we're at in life when God's like, no, 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 no. Stop comparing yourself with other people's journeys, other people's processes. I have a custom made, custom designed timeline and journey just for you. And you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. And, and so we need to trust God's process, but we also need to give ourselves grace. How many of you know that God celebrates progress, not perfection? I remember when my little girls, I have, uh, now I have, they just turned seven, seven-year-old twins, and I have a three-year-old, um, almost three-year-old, three next month, little girl, London. When they were learning how to walk, like, how many of you know we weren't hard on them? <laughs> when they were learning how to walk and they stumbled and fell, we, I wasn't like, London, like, get with it. You should be walking by now. You know, no, they would take a few steps. They would fall down. We would cheer. We would encourage them. We were like, way to go. You took two steps. And they get up and they're happy and they're encouraged to keep going. Now, how many of you know that if that's how we are, how much more is our Father in heaven cheering us on even when we stumble and fall? He's up there going, you can do it. Get back up. Keep going. No shame, no condemnation, just encouragement, exhortation, telling you that you can do it and cheering you on. And, but see, sometimes we're just so hard on ourselves. Again, comparing ourselves to other people comparing our journey with somebody else's. Like we need, to just, we need to give ourselves grace and trust in not our own strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I love this. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul told Timothy this, his young protege. 
who maybe struggled with comparison, maybe struggled with the fact that he was young, leading people that was much older than him. But he said this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Listen, God wants us to be strong but he doesn't want us to be strong in our own strength. He wants us to be strong in the grace, everybody say grace, that's in Christ. Like, and, and see, listen, one of the, part of the process of the caterpillar is before it even forms a cocoon around itself, it climbs out onto a leaf, it hangs upside down in a J formation. As it's hanging there still in a J formation, this cocoon starts to form around it. And I read that and I thought, oh, that sounds prophetic. As it hangs upside down, just resting in a J formation, it begins the journey of transformation. I wonder how many of us would go to another level in our transformation if we would just learn to rest and be still and to abide in Christ. J for Jesus. Just be still and know that he's God. Fall back and rest in the finished work of the cross. Because how many of you know it's not in our own strength, in our own striving? I love what Bert was sharing earlier. Just God was saying, why are you striving? Just trust in me. Rather than us striving and wrestling in our own strength, we're called to rest and be strong in his grace. Because listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't just forgive you for sin. Grace doesn't just forgive you. Grace empowers you to be like Christ. And it's by trusting in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that in our weakness, he is strong. Sometimes it's only when we give up in our own strength that the strength of Christ can be manifest through us. And when we, are, when, we are, when we are confident in what he can do and not what we can do, we abide in him, we step back in him and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. It's only by your grace. It's in that place that you will find the strength that you need to go from strength to strength, from glory to glory, and to be transformed into the image of Christ. The apostle Paul put it this way. In my weakness, Jesus said, in my weakness, you, are, you find strength. Another translation says, our weakness becomes a portal for God's power. So I encourage you, if you feel weak, don't be discouraged. Just lean into the grace of God. Rest in Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 says this. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also seized from his works as God did from his. That doesn't mean we don't work and serve the Lord. It just means that we work from rest and from his grace rather than working for his grace and for his love. Does that make sense? So everybody say, I need to give myself grace and be strong in his grace. The last key that I want to share is this, to be a people that are transformed 
from glory to glory, metamorphosis, transformed into his image, we need to understand our identity in Christ. Everybody say identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I quoted this, but it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, the moment we get born again, we are transformed into a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We need to understand that when we got saved, when we put our faith in Jesus, we weren't just forgiven, we were changed. We were given a new nature. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we exchange our old nature, who we used to be, for a new nature that's found in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, I have a new nature. Everybody say, I have been transformed. Romans chapter 6 Verse 4 says this, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 says this, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in other words, those that don't know God, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, in other, in other words, who you used to be, put off the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Isn't that awesome? I want to read another one. I'm giving you a little bit of scripture here. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, and his, God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which you have been, you have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, listen to this, you may be partakers of the divine nature. Everybody say, I'm a partaker of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Listen, that means we have God's DNA inside of us. We have a, there's been a supernatural DNA exchange you no longer have your old man's nature. You now have your new man's nature that's actually the DNA or nature of God. The Bible says you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Remember, old things have passed away. All things have become new. You're no longer a sinner saved by grace. You're, you're a saint who sometimes forgets who you are. If you believe you still have a sinful nature, you'll live out of that identity. In other words, if you believe you're a sinner, you'll sin by faith. 
But if you believe you're a saint with a new nature, the righteousness of God, you'll live that out by faith. Like I've said it before, instead of walking around condemned, discouraged, let's walk around convicted of our righteousness. I am the righteousness of God. Even if you've made a mistake and you're feeling guilt, shame, and condemnation, you say, no, 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 no. I can't afford to have a thought in my head about myself that God doesn't think about me. He says that I'm holy. He says that I'm clean. It's, it's the power of the blood of Jesus that sets me free. When God looks at me, he doesn't look at me according to my mistakes. He looks at me according to the blood of Jesus. Listen, Jesus paid too high of a price for us to walk in shame and condemnation. When we partner with guilt, shame, and condemnation, we are believing the lie that the blood of Jesus wasn't powerful enough. I'm going to say that to this side of the room. <laughs> when we walk in guilt, shame, and condemnation for something we've already confessed to him, we are believing the lie that the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough for my sin. And it's actually pride. True humility says, I'm not going to depend on my righteousness I'm gonna or my performance or how holy I was this week. I'm only depending on the power of the blood of Jesus that makes me clean. And when I put my full confidence in the power of the blood, shame and condemnation has no place in me. And it's the grace of God, depending on what he's done, that empowers me to live righteously. Does that make sense? Everybody say, I've been set free from shame and condemnation. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, we're no longer sinners. We are saints. Paul never writes a letter in Scripture to the sinners who are in Ephesus. He calls them according to their identity to the saints who are in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So we're clean, we're holy, we're righteous in his sight. And when we believe that, we can live out of that and continuing, continue on our journey of transformation. Listen, not only are you holy, not only are you pure, but how many of you know that you're actually royalty in the house of God? We're, we're the Bible says that we're kings and queens. We're, we're part of, we're a royal priesthood. You say, give me a scripture for that. Well, I'm glad you asked. First, first Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. How many of you know that's enough to make us hold our heads high? that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Everybody say, I'm a royal priesthood. I'm royalty. I'm a son of the king. I'm a daughter of the king. Revelation 5.10 says that he has made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Everybody say, I'm royalty. I'm called to reign in the earth. So I'm going to reign over my thought life. I'm going to reign over my circumstances. I'm going to reign over the darkness around me because I am a royal priesthood. 
and I'm a king and I'm a priest. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Peter said this. He said, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Remember, we put our faith in Jesus. We got saved. We got born again. We're forgiven. We're sons and daughters of God. But we're to crave pure spiritual milk that we may grow into the full experience of our salvation. He said, cry out for this nourishment. And you know, I thought about this, and there's another little prophetic parallel here. When the caterpillar turns into a butterfly, while it's a caterpillar, and even after it's a butterfly, but especially while it's a caterpillar being transformed or before it goes into the process, it feeds on only one type of plant. And you know what it's called? It's called a milkweed. And Peter said, crave pure spiritual milk. And it only eats this one plant called the milkweed. And you know what I found out? That milkweed plant that it eats is actually toxic to its predators. And when it feeds on this plant called the milkweed, its predators can actually sniff it out and smell that it just consumed it. And it will refuse to touch the caterpillar or butterfly because it just consumed the milkweed. I wonder if we only refused, I mean, if we only fed on pure spiritual milk, who God says we are, what God says about us, I refuse to entertain any lie about my identity, about myself, about anything about me or my circumstances that God isn't saying about me. I refuse to feed on that. Because how many of you know that when we believe lies, we empower a disempowered devil? But part of being transformed by the renewing of our minds is only feeding on what God says about us. He says that I'm holy. He says that I'm pure. He says that I'm forgiven. He says all things work together for good. He says that all of these promises in his word about me, about my circumstances, is pure spiritual milk. And how many of you know that when that's what I feed on, that's what I consume, that's what I meditate on, I take captive every thought against the obedience of Christ. I'm only consuming that which is true about myself and about my circumstances. How many of you know that it makes me toxic to the enemy? And the Bible says, resist the devil and he will what? He will flee. You want to resist the devil? Listen, I believe the highest form of spiritual warfare is taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And when we will renew our minds with that which is true, that which is holy, that which is pure, that which his word says about ourselves and about our circumstances, we will become toxic to the enemy. He will have nothing on us because we are filled with the revelation of who we are and whose we are. Confident, secure, established in our, in our identity as sons and daughters of God. Because I promise you, the devil is terrified of sons and daughters of God who actually believe who they are 
who actually are established in their identity. They believe they're righteous. They believe they're pure. They believe they're sons and daughters. They believe they're fully accepted. They are confident in the beloved, that they will hold their heads high with a holy confidence that I am a son of God. He is pleased with me. He delights in me. I'm his favorite. I have caught his gaze. He doesn't take his eyes off of me. He's watching over me. He's protecting me. He's providing for me. He's blessing me. I can have my confidence in that. And when I have my confidence in him and in what he says, I'm toxic to the enemy. He has nothing on me. And I am being transformed from glory to glory, from faith to faith into the image of Christ. So just in closing, I just want to summarize my three points. As we're, as we're on this journey of being transformed into the image of Christ, we need to be a people that aren't afraid of the process. We say, God, however long it takes, whatever this process looks like, I trust you. I don't trust my own understanding. I Listen, if you're in a situation that's like abusive or hurt, it's hurting you, that's not what I'm talking about. If you're in a situation even whatever, like seek counsel from leaders in your life. Cause there are sometimes where there's situations where we need to remove ourselves from environments, you know, whether it's a certain group of friends or a work situation, sometimes we need to do that. But if you're in a, in a, in a process where it's none of those things, but it's just a little uncomfortable. It's just, you know, it's not fun. Sometimes we wish you'd be quicker. I'll encourage you, get everything you can from God in the midst of your process. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you will be mature and not deficient in any way. The second key is we need to give ourselves grace. God celebrates progress, not perfection. You take a couple steps and you fall down. He cheers you on. He says, get back up. Keep going. You can do it. You're progressing. You're maturing. You're getting better and better. He's cheering you on. Don't give in to shame. Don't give in to condemnation. Don't compare your journey and your timeline with somebody else's. And number three, we need to understand our identity. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are sons and daughters of God. We are pure. We are holy. He delights in us. He doesn't just love us. He likes us. <laughs> and when we believe that, it's in his grace that we're transformed from glory to glory, strength to strength, into the image of Christ. And there's a couple groups of people that I want to talk to this morning. The first group of people that I want to talk to is if there's anyone here you say, you know what? I've never made a decision to put my trust, to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I've never become a Christian. I've never become a follower of Jesus. And you say, I don't even fully know what that means, but something in my heart is telling me that I need to give my life to the Lord and become part of the family of Christ, the household of God. I want to be part of that community and I want to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe maybe you've just been, maybe you've, you've run from God. You were walking with God and then you've run far from him and you feel the Lord tugging on your heart and saying, it's time to come home. 
It's time to come back home, run into the Father's arms and surrender your life to him once again. If you're one of those two people, you've never given your life to Jesus and something in your heart, maybe your heart's beating real fast, you say, I need to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, I want, to be really, I want you to be really bold. Either you've never given your life to Jesus or you're far from him and you wanna come home this morning. If that's you, I want you to be really brave and I want you to stand where you are. You say, I wanna give my life to Jesus or I wanna come home to Jesus. I've been far from him and I wanna come home. This is a safe place. We wanna welcome you into the family. If that's you, I just want you to be bold I want you to be brave and I just want you to stand where you are. If that's you, I'm just gonna wait a minute. God bless you. Let's just give him a hand as he's just bold and brave as he makes this decision. This, this lady right at the back, let's give her a hand. Thank you for being courageous. Thank you for doing that. God, God bless you. Anyone else? I'm just gonna wait a minute. You say, I wanna give my life to Jesus either for the first time or you want to come home this morning. If that's you, just stand where you are. All right. The, for those that are standing, I'm just going to invite you to pray a prayer. And we're all going to pray it together, okay? Let's all pray this prayer together. Just pray this out loud. Out loud. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for laying your life down that I might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your mercy. I receive the power of your blood to make me clean. Forgive me for my sins. I renounce my sins and I ask you to come into my life. Make me new. Make me a new creation. Make me transformed from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just give them a hand one more time. God bless you guys. And I'm just gonna ask you two who stood, if you could just come on over to this side of the room over here to meet some of the leaders, um, that would be awesome. There's just some of the leaders uh, would just love to meet with you. Um, if you're able to do that as we just continue to pray. Um, uh, when we close, you can make your way over there and just because some of them would just love to introduce themselves and, and chat with you. And then the other group of people that I want to pray for are those you feel like you're in a cocoon, you're in a process, you're, you, know you're, you, you know you're where God has you, but it's uncomfortable, it's difficult, and it's challenging, and you just love for the grace of God to surround you, to help you in the process to go from glory to glory. If that's you, I want you to stand where you are. We're gonna pray for you. If that's you, just stand where you are. God bless you. All right. Why don't you do this? Those that are standing, just put your hand on your heart. The rest of you, just stretch your hands toward them. Father, I just thank you for your precious saints. And Lord, I thank you that you are so loving, you are so kind, you are so gracious, that Holy Spirit, you give us comfort in the midst of what's uncomfortable. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come and you would bring grace, you would bring comfort, you would bring a supernatural strength because they know they can't do it on their own. 
So bring that supernatural strength into their heart right now. Quicken them, even in their mortal bodies. Quicken them, quicken their hearts, quicken their spirits, quicken their minds to see you at work in the process. And Lord, I pray that they would even begin to get excited about everything it is that you're doing in their lives through this process on this journey. So Father, we bless them. We speak protection over them. We speak a covering over them. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit, with your peace, with your presence, even in the midst of some things that they don't even understand, that you would give them peace that passes understanding. And Father, I thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Let's just thank the Lord this morning. You can go ahead and, um, and be seated. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come forward. And uh, if the prayer team could come on up. And we're just going to make some time. If anybody would like prayer for anything at all this morning, it could be along the lines of things that I shared. And you know God's doing a work in your heart and you want him to go deeper. Um, come on up. If there's anybody here and you've just been struggling with guilt, shame, condemnation, God wants to set you free. He wants to break that off of you. Come on up to the front. There's people here that are ready to pray for you. Um, besides that, let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for everything you did this morning. I pray that you would seal this word, that you would bring it deep into our hearts. And God, I thank you that we can be encouraged and strengthened because you're taking us from glory to glory and from strength to strength and as we close and let's just make these declarations together now let's all stand together and say this say I am a beloved child of God come on nice and loud I am a new creation my old self has been crucified with Christ I am a partaker of the divine nature I'm a king and a priest I am royalty I am toxic to the enemy. Everywhere I go, I carry the presence of God. I am being transformed that I might bring transformation everywhere I go in Jesus' name. Come on, let's thank the Lord one more time. God bless you guys. If you want prayer, come on up to the front. And God bless you guys through the rest of the day.